I'm Jock Wilson, and this is Football North. We're going to do something a little bit different on the podcast today. I call this episode Covering the Canadian Football League. Now, as you know, the Canadian Football League is over 100 years old, yet some media outlets in this country give this league very little love, very little coverage. I get it. The sports media landscape has certainly changed over the last number of years, downsizing, cost-cutting, and to be honest... We're getting our content in much different ways, like these podcasts, for example. Hey, TSN, they're the TV rights holder for the league. They do a very good job covering the CFL. Obviously, they have an invested stake in it. However, the problem is when you get into bed with one company, it does shut the door on so many other marketing and media opportunities. It happens in radio as well. As a rights holder, hey, we're all over the team. We're all over the league. If you don't have the rights, though, do you really care about the Canadian Football League? The newspaper business is a little bit different. Yes, partnerships can occur with an organization, but there's still that journalistic integrity. And that's where I want to go on the podcast today. Danny Austin is one of the top CFL reporters in the country although not according to Jamie Nye and Regina. Danny Austin covers the Canadian Football League. He covers the Calgary Stampeders for the Calgary Sun and Post Media. Danny, how are you, my friend? Great to have you on the podcast. I'm good. I started off number one on Jamie's ranking. Let's not, <laughs> let's not confuse that. Um, <laughs> but now you're last. What's up with that? I mean, you know what? We all have our faults, and Jamie's terrible <laughs> at ranking people. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't explain it. I, you know, I'm I'm in this for me and nobody else, so I, I can't pay attention to a guy a guy like Jamie Knight, who I happened to speak on the phone with earlier today, <laughs> as I was trying to unpack uh, my feelings on on what we heard about Garrett Moreno today. Yeah, so, lots of yeah. Lo- lots of news in the Canadian Football League. We'll leave that for maybe a little bit later in the podcast because uh, I, I do want to talk about covering the Canadian Football League. First of all, uh, the backstory on Danny Austin. How does a kid from Toronto? end up in Calgary covering the CFL and the Calgary Stampeders? I mean, I'll give the very Coles Notes long version of the story as quickly as possible. Um, I had very supportive of parents who encouraged me in post-secondary education to pursue whatever I wanted. Um, what I wanted to do was read books. So I was an English literature major um, with a history and with a minor in history uh, that ended up I basically graduated and moved to India for uh, a long, long while there. And when it came time to move back to Canada, I decided to go to journalism school. I very much wanted to be in news. Uh, my college girlfriend and I broke up. She was going back to Toronto. And I decided uh, it would be cool because my dad grew up in Alberta to take a four-month internship in Cochrane, which paid me basically zero dollars. But uh, I decided to do it at the end of that internship. I got offered the sports job with the local newspapers in Banff and Canmore, and uh, it kind of all went from there. I ended up at the Sun, uh, kind of in a desking role, which for those who don't know basically means that you work from 4.30 until midnight, kind of designing the pages and laying out the sports section. Um, I was doing the dinos. I was kind of doing all the, I don't want to call them minor sports, but the sports that obviously don't get most mainstream attention for a couple of years. And then uh, Scott Mitchell, who's doing the stamps, he uh, took a job in Toronto and uh in 2016 on the Labor Day Classic, so I guess six years ago pretty much uh, on Monday, I covered my first Dan Peters game. I pray that no one goes back and reads a single thing I wrote in 2016. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was it was sort of crazy because, you know, it was supposed to be a two-man beat. Um, two of our guys left, so it was supposed to be me and Vicki Hall, and then she left the industry about a week before the 2017 season. So I was like, all right, I guess I got to do this on my own with the Stampeders, and uh 
kind of that's all she wrote. That's what I've been doing kind of since. And obviously, I, I NHL is a huge part of my job now as well. But um, yeah, it was a uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if it was a plan. It was a. Uh, a little bit of luck, a little bit of hard work, and a little bit of being in the right place at the right time. It's a fantastic backstory, and and and, and I love it. And I thank you so much for sharing it with us because you know it, it's a little bit like like me as well, a kid from Pooscoopy, British Columbia. All of a sudden, you know, going to Mount Royal College in Calgary, you know, working with the Calgary Flames, working with the, with the Calgary Stampeders. And I'll be honest with you, Danny, I, I never they didn't have a football program in Pooscoopy or Dawson Creek. I, I knew nothing about the game, and all of a sudden, I'm hosting the Calgary Stampeder broadcast. I have to learn the game almost from from ground zero uh, it sounds like that's what you had to do as well yeah i mean and i, I will just quickly note that like a critical part of that story is like had my ex-girlfriend not been in toronto for the summer of 2010 i would have been like this there's so much weird luck involved in here and i see the wonderful woman who i have a great friendship with but um but yeah i mean i it should be noted i mean i, I was an argos fan growing up okay. um I, my mom is from ottawa uh honestly one of you know you have those memories where you don't you can't align them but like one of my first memories was going to an Ottawa Rough Riders game and if it was north side sucks or south side sucks but you know we were yelling that back and forth and it was just the funniest thing as a probably four-year-old that I can ever remember so I have a relationship with the CFL I, I went to um uh, I guess 1996 Grey Cup in Hamilton uh, awaiting the kickoff from Sean Fleming who was a Grey Cup hero in 1993 top Canadian and we are underway with the 84th Grey Cup game. You know, but I didn't I didn't follow it particularly closely uh, beyond sort of being a fan. But, yeah, I mean, being thrown into it, it's something that I, I kind of try to remember when, and I, I don't think, if you're not in media, like, there's an assumption that, oh, just because you get a media job, it means you're immediately an expert. Like, I was not. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I mean, I could probably name the position, but it was it was completely learning from scratch, trying to figure it out. And, and there was a huge learning curve there. And I mean, I, I think I got pretty good at it. But um, yeah, I, I was completely overwhelmed. I was sort of terrified for most of the 2017 <laughs> season. And I didn't have the luxury, not to feel sorry for me, but of, of covering a, a, a team that no one was paying attention to. I mean, the 2016 through 2018 Stampeders are, you know, they, they should have been a dynasty. They should have won three great cups. So I was there trying, you know, there was national attention. I was trying to cover the best team in the CFL while figuring it out on the go. So, you know, I, I, I don't deny, you know, I'm not a perfect person. There were lots of mistakes in there and, and lots of things that didn't get right. But fortunately, and I don't know if I'd say right now, the Canadian football community is always super supportive of people. But at the time, um, I honestly, it's why I, I love covering this team is there were so many fans who were just like willing to kind of be patient with me, also kind of give me some tips, like help me out and be supportive until I got to the point where I kind of knew what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I'll also say I had, you know, Jean Lefebvre at one point during 2017 training camp said, hey, why don't we just set up a meeting and you can talk to Dave Dickinson and he can kind of tell you if you're way off base on some of the things that you're thinking about this team. Uh, and that was super helpful. So, um, you know, we all need help, and there's a lot of people who have helped me along the way, that's for sure. You know, that that's a great point, Danny, because, you know, when you're a beat reporter for, for a football team, it's a fine line at times, isn't it? Because there are times you're going to have to be critical, and you're probably going to write critical pieces, but you, you, you also have to set up a little bit of a relationship with coaches and, and with players. Uh, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you address the two issues there? Uh, I mean, I have things that I'm comfortable with, and I have things I'm not comfortable with, and I'm not going to do something, you know? Like, I'll, I'll give an example. I mean, Kamar Jordan has not been particularly good 
this year. Um, I will openly say I am not the guy who's going to be calling for Kamar Jordan to be benched. I, I just, I, 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 to be honest, I think he's done a ton for the organization. I have too much respect for the work that he's put in to decide as a beat reporter. Maybe if I was a columnist, it would be different. And there's a, a huge you know, line that traditionally in the newspaper industry has been drawn. I'm not supposed to be heavy on opinion. That rule has evolved because we don't have a columnist anymore. Right. But I don't necessarily need to be the person who's saying, oh, this person's terrible. Um, I, you know, if we had more people covering the Calgary St. Peter's, maybe that would be more of a role. But I think there's more than enough to cover without going super negative. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I deal with the Flames very differently for that reason. Um, but, you know, I ultimately, like, I look back, look, look at 2017. Kamar Jordan fumbles that ball, it's returned, it effectively loses the St. Peter's the Grey Cup. Most of my stories were on how impressed I was with the response that Kamar had. Um, so I ultimately think those relationships can and should inform my reporting, um, and I, don't, I allow them to. I also try, you know, I have a 10 takeaways column, which typically is my most read thing of the week, and in that I'm willing to go a little bit more in. But um, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably, I'll be honest with you, man, I'm, I'm a lot more hesitant to bury guys than some. I, I, I don't I don't particularly like doing it. I don't necessarily know that in a league like the CFL, um, that's we need to do that, to be honest. Have you ever had a player or a coach or a manager uh, challenge you and say that was uh, that was full of crap that piece? Oh yeah. Um <laughs> you know when Nick <laughs> when Nick no, no like I I've never done that. I mean in twenty nineteen, um when Nick Arbuckle sort of took over temporarily for the St. Peters uh, he was getting sacked a lot. That pushes Calgary back to the Ottawa 42. And that big penalty and pressure on Arbuckle. J.R. Tavai got him. And I was pretty openly critical of the offensive line. Well, the offensive line wasn't happy with me, and I had a couple guys. And to their credit, they wanted to explain to me why I was wrong. They didn't want to yell at me for being wrong. But, you know, they explained to me the differences between the way Nick moved in the pocket with the way Bo moved in the pocket. They, you know, explained to me that Bo was a master manager of the pocket, and he moved the ball quickly, but he also sort of understood where the defensive line was likely to collapse in on him and moved away from those. And Nick was a young quarterback who maybe hadn't acquired that skill. Um, and, you know, those guys, Shane Berkman, let me know we'd read the piece, and then him and Derek Dennis had to chat with me just kind of explaining, hey, this isn't totally on us. Like, you know, I know that every sack looks like it's on the offensive line, but, like, before you go burying us, like, Let's, let's talk about this and let's explain it. And I appreciate that. You know, I, I'm not a football coach. I'm, I'm not out there. Explain it to me so I'm not getting it wrong. That's not, and that's something that I, I always respect and appreciate when uh, coaches and players do. And it's something, to be honest, I, I will say that, you know, when I cover the Calgary Flames and sometimes Daryl Sutter is super critical on the media and I think it's unearned, it pisses me off. Right. But, I, but you know, if when we're coming, like, it's a dialogue. And, they rely on me to get their stories out there, and I rely on them to make sure the stories are right. So, um, and it's it's easier in the CFL because they're more open, for sure. Um, you know, they want you to get the story right, and they help you out. Well, you know that that's a great point, and I was going to go there next anyway because you know I, I I've been lucky enough to host the Calgary Flames broadcast as well, and, but that was back in the in the nineties and 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 two thousands, and and I tell you what, it was a much different game. That the players weren't weren't protected like they are today, and managed the way they are today. But in the Canadian Football League, you know, hey, they they want you to get the story out, and they they are much more approachable than NHL players, aren't they? hundred percent. I mean, I, I honestly, like I, I covered the Flames playoff run and I'll be right back on it as soon as the CFL is done. It'll be my full-time job. I'll be traveling and all of that. 
it was such a breath of fresh air, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want this to be a, a session where I'm just complaining about Daryl Sutter, but Daryl right. at the end of the season said, you know, the media here tends to lie and, and do that. I'm like, no, we don't, but that's just not true. Like, it's just, you're, you're trying to turn the public against us for no particular reason. Maybe we get things wrong, but maybe if you gave us more than 12 year word answers, we get it right. right. I showed up at my first uh, training campaign and Dave wanted me to, Dave Dickinson wanted to introduce me to all the new people. So I knew who they were, you know, and so they knew who I was. And, uh, you know, I have, I, I'm generally not going to champion players when they're on the team, but if anyone sees me, guys like Alex Singleton, Don Jackson, John Burskett, the guys who have kind of moved on, who I had good relationships with, I will openly cheer for them in their next opportunity because I, you know, they, they have been good to me. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, they're, Probably in my what six years covering this team, you know, I can name on one hand, and you know, really, I might only be able to want, name one player who I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and other than that, I mean, you know, they they've been good to me, um, and and they are, you know, that that personal side is is ultimately, I think, the best asset that this league has. They not only with reporters but with fans. I'm old, and I've been in this business for almost 40 years, and, and I remember the, the good old days of radio where every single radio station in this city had a, had a sports personality, and uh, the sports people would be, you know, at McMahon Stadium, you know, covering the team, and you would go to scrums, and there would be, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 individuals. It's, it's just different. The media landscape has, has changed over the years. Do you think the media in this country gives the Canadian Football League the love it deserves, or do you think it's uh, it's it's where it should be? So I'm going to start, and I'm going to say that I think that those are two separate issues. Like, I, I do think that <clears throat> sort of within this Calgary market, there are a lot of people who would love to be able to be here, but um, for people who don't know, I mean, like, every outlet has had some pretty major cuts mm-hmm. over the last over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, in post-media, when we sort of merged, um, you know, we've only had 15 or 16 people between the two departments. We're down to... I'm pretty sure three at this point. Um, so, you know, so it's a miracle I'm there every day. Um, but that's across the board. I mean, the TV stations, they love to have people there every day, and they can't. So I don't necessarily know that the lack of coverage uh, in, in Calgary is a symptom of anything other than resources at this point. Um, but, look, I, I think that there's a huge issue um, with, with coverage. I, I, to be honest, I mean, the Toronto market's the one that we sort of all understand and know the most. But, like, the Toronto Star doesn't cover it the Toronto Argonauts or the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Toronto right. Star is the biggest newspaper in this country. Um, it, and it's not there. The Globe and Mail has not had reporters covering the game at the last, at a Grey Cup since I've been there. Um, you know, they might have someone who comes in and does a couple sort of features on the side, but um, they have a, a national columnist who, as far as I know, does not, has not written a CFL story since I've been covering the league. Um, you know, that's, that's, those are issues and I'm willing to call them out. Um, that's just sort of a lack of interest, and I, I do think that, that in part is a very Toronto-centric media uh, market. Yeah. But if you're going to claim that you are a national newspaper, um, I don't know how you can't cover the single most popular and um, oldest and most tra- has the most traditions um, Canadian domestic sporting league. I, I, I think that that you know how can you get around that? that that's not something the league, the league's marketing people can can fight. They right. can't they can't win that battle. That's that's on the outlet to decide whether they covered it or not. Well, well you, you know the Toronto market a heck of a lot better than I do because you, you grew up you grew up in that market. So is that just a snob thing? You know, are they snobs to the Canadian Football League? Or I don't I don't understand it myself. Without naming his, without naming him, I think in one particular case, the Globe's 
sports columnist. It's probably snobbiness. Uh, I'm not going to say his name here, but yeah, that's my opinion. He's blocked me on Twitter, so who cares? Um, no, I mean, I, again, like, I don't, I, I shouldn't speak to that too aggressively because there are, like, the resource issue is real. Like, what I, right. I, I mean, I don't want to go too into it because it's my own company, and like, I'm really, really proud of the work that you know our sports department has done at the at the Herald and the Sun. Um, as our resources, as we have less resources, I, I think that we've done, you know, more with less. And well, you know, we've we've really fought hard, and have, you know, our our editors have been very supportive. They've kept us on the road. Um, you know, I, I really am grateful to Post Media, despite you know uh, what what some people may think about the company or, or not. I'm, I'm very grateful to have worked there. And um, but I don't know. And, Maybe the Toronto Star just doesn't have the reporters. I, I have no. I can't say whether that's snobby or not. I don't want to speak for another outlet. But um, ultimately, I mean, I went to, you know, Stampeders walkthrough two weeks ago uh, in Toronto, and the reporters there were me, Mark Stephen, and Matthew Shinetti from TSN. Right. There's no one else. So you know, that's and that was an X game where they that was a game at, well, where the Canadian National Exhibition was going on. So you know, I. I, I I have said in the past when people talk, um, and I don't want to get too into the Toronto, but I think people talk a lot about how the CFL needs to market itself better and all of this, and that may very well be true. But there's a difference between marketing and content, and there's a shortage of content, which is why I'm glad you guys are doing this podcast, and I'm so happy to be a guest. But I think there's a lack of professional um, journalistic content that is created around and for and about the CFL right now. And that's a, that's one of the major issues going forward. So in my long-winded opening, you know, I, I talked about TSN being the TV rights holder. They, they do a great job covering this league. There's, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, yeah. you, you look at the yeah. NFL. The NFL doesn't just get into bed with one media outlet. You know, they, they spread it around, and they're, they're even going with, you know, the zone and, and, and now some of, some of the streaming services as well. Would the CFL, and again, I'm just asking for your opinion, would the CFL be better served to do more partnerships? Maybe they should have CBC involved. Maybe they should have CTV involved. Maybe, you know, maybe they, maybe they should have, uh, you know, City TV involved. I, I don't know. Um, is it the right route to, to go with just the one, the one media outlet? Because it does seem to limit it a little bit, I, I would think. I mean, I don't think that the CFL in its current form exists without TSN. Um, so it's like it's very hard to, to criticize their coverage or whatever because, honestly, I mean, that the partnership financially has sort of saved the league. Right. Um, look, would I love if they had to be pushed a little bit more um, to have a better, I don't want to say better panel, but, you know, would their panel be different if they knew that on the Friday night game, the CBC was, you know, hosting the Friday night game and the CBC was doing all sorts of innovative things with their panel and trying to, you know, the big Friday night game was, was just different with that force TSN to, to innovate a little bit, I think it probably would. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm going to kind of leave out what I think about TSN's coverage. I, I will say that I'm certainly in many, many markets grateful that Post Media is there to provide day to day coverage as well as local radio providing day to day coverage. Um, but I, I do think that ultimately, like, you, this doesn't exist without TSN. It doesn't exist with the, what, $55, $60 million a year mm-hmm. that the CFL gets. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, as the Football Reporters of Canada, our little group that of, you know, our professional association, we don't exist without TSN's money. So um, it, it, it's very it, – I think that the easy thing to say is, like, look, we love all of these different – or, like, you know, outlets to get involved, have one day a week. I, I think that ultimately <laughs> – the finances of this league are, are so convoluted, but the one thing that we know is, I mean, really, 
there are three stakeholders in the league. There are the owners, the players, and TSN. That's right. the reality. Right. Um, and, um, and I mean, also, I mean, there's other broadcast partners, but on, on, on the, the, the three main financial stakeholders are, are, are those groups. So uh, it's very hard for me to say that the league would be better because I don't know that the league exists. So, so, so what, what are the challenges of being a beat writer, a beat writer for, the, uh, for, for the Canadian Football League? Uh, are, are there challenges, or is, it, uh, or is it, I don't want to say your job's easy, because it's never easy. You've got to come up with, uh, with, with great stories. Uh, uh, what would be some of the challenges? Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough question, because it's, it's so my life and my job. Right. But I think that there are times when, uh, and like, I honestly, man, like I have such a good relationship with like Jean Lefebvre and, and the people here at the stamps. That, like even you know during COVID, I was worried that with the way that the COVID restrictions were, you know, there was no point in me being on the road. They made it worthwhile to be on my road on the road. Right. Um, I will say that this season in particular, um, and I don't want this to come across as complaining, but uh, Twitter is not as much fun. The community is more angry. Um, the fans, something seems to have sort of broken. So I'm much more hesitant to sort of poke the bear and stir the pot and um, have a little bit of fun with my opinions than I used to be just because um, you just get so much blowback and people take things so personally. Um, but, I mean, the thing with it is this league is different because there is that community. So, um, you know, I get a million emails about Bo how they need to bench him and he should never play for the Calgary Stampeders again. And then two weeks later, those same people are writing me saying, well, they didn't like how Jake played in the first half. Maybe they got to bring Bo back. So the, the, the challenge and like the fun part, the fun part of the challenge is to recognize that like, I'm not a fan. So like, I don't, I shouldn't rush to judgment. <clears throat> My opinion needs to be a little bit more considerate. I can't just lead with emotion when I'm writing about these issues. Um, and, and that can get people upset or mad at you. Um, and, and people can say, oh, you're not doing your job. How, you're, just a, you're just defending Bo. You're the greatest. And it's like, guys, like, I've never been a Bo defender. Like, even when he was the best quarterback in the league, I kind of like just let him be the best quarterback in the league. I wasn't championing that. So, you know, it's always, to be honest, it's always kind of dealing with, with your audience. I, the, the job itself is I, I generally show up at practice. I talk to some players, check in with some people, um, you know, not a practice, making sure I'm on the right track, try to get as much information as I can. Um, I'm not someone who worries about breaking every single story. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to be peering through a fence at a university trying to figure out who the starting quarterback is or anything like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's ultimately like it's pretty fun jobs. I don't want to anymore. Like, I, I, don't no, want I, I hear you. And, and, and you know what? Social media has certainly changed our profession, hasn't it? You know, and I, I, I used to like social media, but now I find it so divisive and, and, and it's almost toxic at times. I, I, I try to avoid it and I, I'm just, I, I just can't follow certain individuals anymore because it's just verbal diarrhea in a lot of cases. Uh, how, how important is social media in, in your job and covering the team? I mean, I think it's pretty critical. Um, I like, I don't use Facebook at all so i don't and like it's pretty funny like if you read anything about about how you're supposed to use social media like facebook drives the most clicks like the most right. people will go to your story through facebook i'm just not going to use it i have my own reasons for that um i'm not interested in doing that so good for people who do i'm not using my own personal instagram to post stampeder stuff um <clears throat> that's not what my friends want to see so that's not what i'm doing so for me it is all twitter um 
and it's a pretty massive part of my job. I mean, there are times when it sort of feels like Twitter is my real job and the stories that I'm following, that I'm writing are just kind of like what I have to do in order to be able to use Twitter and build my audience. That's, that's blatantly false. That's not what pays the bills. That's not actually how I see things, but there are times when it feels that way is what I'm saying. Um, and I mean, I like, to be honest, it's a constant thing that I am thinking about and, and considering how I want to use and consider. And like, as I said, this season, I have just found that that sort of toxic element uh, is much more present. So I'm a little bit less active on Twitter. Right. Um, and I, just because I don't, I, it, it's not good for me to have to deal with that every day. And, you know, I'm still a human before I'm a reporter. So, you know, I'm a little bit more careful. But um, I will, like, in general say that, I mean, being here in Calgary, like, this is, I, I don't know, maybe it's just that everyone in Saskatchewan hates me. Um, but, like, the, the Calgary group, like, the group of fans who are on Calgary on Twitter are great. They're typically very supportive. Um, you know, they generally don't seem to, I don't want to say live and buy, die by the team because they, they, they love the team. But, like, they generally let a loss roll off their back a little bit more. They understand you don't win every game. Um, and then they don't seem to get quite as offended by people not paying. Like, if I, I at one point said during one of the Stampeders Bombers games, like, the Stampeders had three times gotten into the into the red zone and, like, had made some pretty big mistakes. And I believe they had an interception or a fumble. And I've been like, man, the Stamps are really shooting themselves in the foot. And a bunch of Winnipeg fans got mad at me for not giving their defense <laughs> enough credit. I was like, guys, what am I supposed to do here? Like, like I cover the Stampeders. They literally just threw an interception. Or, like, or it was penalties. and moved them out of field goal range. Like, it was all sorts of stuff. And I was like, I'm not criticizing the Bombers. Give me a break here. <laughs> and I don't think Stamps fans do that as much, but that may also be me wearing, you know, red and white colored glasses but not realizing. Well, I, I got to say, I follow uh, Danny Austin on Twitter for two reasons. Uh, number one, great football content. Number two, uh, I think you're the only beat reporter, you're the only guy that covers the Canadian Football League that will go jump in a glacier lake, for God's sake. Like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're crazy, man. Uh, you know, I'm fine. I try to, <laughs> I, you know, I try to live. I, try to, I have a good time at work and a good time out of work. But, yeah, I, uh, I do. If you're going to live in Calgary, you're going to take advantage of the mountain. So, uh, <laughs> You know, if, if Derek Taylor was out jumping into glacial lakes, I'd be like, why aren't you in Winnipeg? Where do you work? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a lot easier. But, yeah, that was fun. Uh, I actually went with Salim Valji from TSN. I went up with him. Uh, he wanted to go for a hike. So we went up and uh, beautiful lake just down Highway 93. And uh, – <laughs> I jumped in. Uh, he's a coward, I guess I'll say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, hey, listen. Uh, this has been a really fun conversation. I, I, I've enjoyed it. But I got to ask you one one final question. What advice would you have for any young journalist student that that maybe you know it says I want to be the next Danny Austin? Uh, would you have any advice for them? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I ultimately, like as I said, like I when I listed sort of when I explained my past, like I just had to say yes to a bunch of stuff, right? I mean, I I didn't. When I moved to Cochrane, Alberta, I was getting paid absolutely nothing. I'm fortunate enough that I didn't you know that I was able to do that. But, you know, you don't know what's, what is going to lead to another thing. And, like, ultimately, this job, in its purest form, and we all try to make it about more than this, this job is about collecting information and then presenting it to people. So anything that you can do to become better at those two skills, you should do. That's honestly, like, there's nothing more to it. I mean, you know, it's it's – just a job, but the job, whether it's in news or arts or sports, you are collecting information on a certain topic, and then you are presenting it in a way for your audience to to 
unpack and, and, and understand. Um, and you're just trying to get good at those things. And there's a little bit of luck, but a little bit of patience is required. You're not going to get rich, but you know, if you have a good time doing it and take it seriously and have fun when you need to, uh, I think you'll be okay. I've always said I, I live a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget, and and it's so true in this business. You know, if you, if you, if you do it for the money, you're probably uh, doing it for the wrong reasons because you're never going to make a lot of money in this business. Well, what I've seen, and you've mentioned John Lefebvre a couple of times. You know, there's a former newspaper guy that goes and works for the team. You know, Brennan Parker here in Calgary, you know, he, he was he was a global television guy, and, and he now works, you know, for Flames TV and works for Calgary Sport and Entertainment. Is, is that the new trend? You know, like, are, 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 you know, right now teams are controlling their own message. How much does that affect you in, in, in your job? Uh, I mean, I love everyone who works for Stamps TV. Um, I pay the stories that they're doing very little attention and i don't say that and i like i honestly respect and i think that they do great work but it just can't affect me right like hey i I am as much as i'm like oh i'm soft i don't say negative things i absolutely do um i don't think i'm mean but you know i i i I do if the stampeders do something wrong i'm the one to write about it and i don't necessarily comes from the team um you know and in calgary look csec runs this market calgary sports entertainment (laughs) Um, and you know, I have, again, so much respect and admiration for every single one of them. All of them are friends. Um, I think Natasha is doing a killer job here, but, um, it doesn't affect what I do. You know, to be honest, what, when it comes to the Calgary market, I'm not paying attention to what anyone does. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. No, I, no, and, and and you're right. I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking: is is this going to be the trend for sports media? Because you know we're we're seeing you know more and more broadcast team, and I, I'm in the radio business. You know they're going in house and being controlled by the uh, uh, by the team, and and the messaging is now being controlled by the. That, that's really how the business has changed. You know, like I said, I've been in it for 40 years, and I you can certainly see that trend changing. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is there's more move, and I also think that there's a more move. I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of people doing it independently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, both of us work for big companies, so I, I don't. I'm not so right. I'm at least singing the praises, but I think you are seeing more people um, with professional, you know, media uh, credentials. Sure, taking doing their own thing. And the, um, the Rod Peterson show, for example, they're, they're, it's it's a great yeah. example. Yeah, I, I agree. I, we we both been guests on it. There you go. Yes. The Carson Price in uh, Vancouver. There's, right. There's lots of that, and. Uh, I, I do think that that is a trend, and yeah, I do think going towards the team. I mean, look, working for a team, you have more stability than you do working for post, for a company like mine, right? I mean, um, so, you know, I don't know if it's the same thrill. I've never done that type of work, um, but I fully understand why people do it. And, um, you know, media, particularly when you're quite young, can be a little bit of a cult. Um, and a lot of people can, in the end, get turned off by that cult. And if you can do the same sort of storytelling work, um, but maybe you know, be a little bit disengaged from from some of the craziness that comes with media. Hey, go do it. Like that's, you know, uh, you know, we always joke about it being the dark side, but then we also all throw parties and are happy for people when they they do take other opportunities. So there's nothing wrong with it. And um, you know, content creation and content um, curation is only going to continue to evolve. Uh, if you had told me. 12 years ago that YouTube was going to be just such a huge moneymaker factor. I I wouldn't have believed you, but you know, for anyone under 25, they probably go to YouTube before they go to anything else for a lot of information. There's nothing wrong with that. So so true. So true. See, if you would have stayed in India, you you could have been covering cricket right now, man. I went to a lot of cricket games when I was in India. Uh, (laughs) And you know, it's funny. I'll I'll tell you a story. The like, 
I got there, and I mean, Indians love cricket. Like, it, 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 cricket in India is bigger than any sport anywhere else. Like, it's not even close. No. Um, and these two Australian guys, I was working on. I, I managed an organic, or not an organic farm, but a uh, ecotourism retreat on an organic farm. And uh, there were these two Australian guys. I was in my early twenties, so were they. Guys, I just don't get the cricket, and they literally looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, "Okay, we're going tomorrow. Just a small town, like a county game." Um, and we went and we sat there and sat down. And before the game started, they were like, "I just want you to explain to me what you don't understand about drinking a beer in the sun and watching people play sports." And I, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's all this is." And like, you learn a couple of the rules, and then as it turns out, sit in there for a couple hours, have a couple beers. Pick the team in yellow, I guess, or the team in red, and you cheer when they do something good, and it's not all that complicated. And I ended up loving the game. I couldn't explain it to you anymore, but that's all it was. <laughs> oh, man, I've learned a lot about Danny Austin in this chat. Uh, this has been fun, my friend. Uh, I, I know we talk a lot during the season, but uh, I've, I've learned. I, I had no idea about you know Cochrane. I had no idea about India, so it's it's all good. And uh, uh, thanks for sharing your stories with us. And uh, you know, thanks for talking about uh, you know the, the covering the Canadian Football League because I, I you and I both have a passion for this league, and we both believe this this league deserves better. And I do think this league is going to be around for a long time. So do I. I. I don't think it's going anywhere, and I, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I have all the solutions because I certainly don't. Right. But um, you know, I think both of us do our part, and it's all you can do. And um, don't get me wrong, you and I both know there are some frustrating days. Oh. Um, but then you show up at a game like Monday's Labor Day Classic, and there's thirty thousand people, and the tailgating's full, and you're like, ah, this is the best thing in the world. Why would I ever want to do anything else? So um, yeah, it's I, I I don't see it going anywhere, and you know, I do hope. We see some bigger crowds out here in in Alberta. Um, But beyond that, I love it. Danny, be safe. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. Cheers, buddy. All right. That does it for another edition of Football North. Thanks so much to Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun and Post Media. I would love to hear your feedback on the show. Maybe, maybe you have a topic idea for a future show. Hit me up. Jock at am770chqr.com.